the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about an incredible tragedy that happened recently. It's not just a tragedy for Rigoberto Alpizar, the man who was shot down in Miami in cold blood by two air marshals purporting uh, to say that he had uh, said that he was carrying a bomb. It's not just a tragedy for him and his family and a tragedy for uh, people who are diagnosed with manic depressive illness or bipolar illness, which is what, according to Rigoberto's wife, he had. Um, But it is really a tragedy for all of us. Our society, in the name of trying to protect us all from terrorism, is becoming more like 1984, where Big Brother decides um, what the party is going to be doing to protect us against the enemy, how this is all in our best interest, and how it's all about hating the enemy. And somehow, as we all get united in doing that, um, it allows the government to come in and do essentially what they want to us in the name of uh, protection. Now, instead of people, or in addition to people, being afraid of boarding airlines um, because of the threat of terrorism, because of 9-11 and other um, potential threats that were uh, averted, um, we now have to be worried that in case we do something bizarre (laughs) and and when people take uh, drinks on airlines, um, they are more likely to do something bizarre, whether or not they have a mental illness, um, we are in danger of uh, being declared a terrorist and a danger to uh, our fellow passengers or people in the terminal, since he wasn't even on the airplane at the time that they shot him. Um, and we are in danger of being um, shot or uh, and questions being asked later. This is something that I think should... Um, not escape any of us, and uh, really something serious needs to be done about it, especially since there have so far been no apologies um, coming forth from the government or the air marshals, and instead there has been a sense of jubilation that uh, their training works. Uh, My guest today, who may or may not agree with what I just uh, propounded, is uh, a renowned attorney. His name is Ron Goldman, and uh, he is with the firm Baum Headland, which is located in Los Angeles. And they are um, experts, particularly on uh, disasters, and particularly disasters involving airlines and small planes and helicopters and other kinds of transportation, as well as some of the um, medication cases, uh, the suing pharmacy 
pharmaceutical companies because of various medications that they've put out that have been a danger to people. But uh, and they're also they also represent uh, a number of the victims of 9/11, the people who were on the four planes involved in that disaster. So welcome to the show, Ron. Thank you very much. Now, what do you think of um, my introduction? I mean, how do you agree with that, or what are your feelings about the tragedy? Let's start off with that. Okay, well, my 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 thoughts are, are uh, summarized uh, as follows. Um, unfortunately, in the aftermath of the September 11 tragedy, there has been such a drumbeat of fear instilled into the population and into our first responders and into our um, uh, police and 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 uh, uh, other arms of of government that there's almost a siege mentality that that has taken hold. People have been told that anything can happen at any time and beware and um, be vigilant. So when you have uh, that kind of mentality where people believe that they're in a war footing and that, that uh, the, the enemy is an unknown, unknowable um, uh, kind of enemy, you create the conditions where you shoot first and ask later, which more often than not, in my opinion, will re- uh, resolve itself to a tragedy such as the one that we've seen. So, um, you know, the, the air marshal here probably did respond as he was trained. He probably did assess the situation as rapidly as, as he could, and uh, that training told him to shoot to kill before he asked any questions. Right, because in case um, he did turn out to be a terrorist, uh, you know, then everyone would be... <laughs> Furious at him um, as to why he didn't shoot. Why, you know, if there were other casualties, then of course he would have been on the line for that. But you know, I agree with what you said. I think that that people are um, are. I don't really, not necessarily about the public, but I think the people who are trained, such as air marshals, to um, and are worked up in a sense psychologically to expect something like this to happen, get caught up emotionally in protecting themselves as well as protecting, you know, not wanting to be humiliated um, in case something did happen to other people. What is, what is all that training for if you don't get a chance to use it when something comes up that gives you a good excuse for using it? Exactly, an excuse. Um, because well, why is it, and, and I don't know if you know about this, but it would seem to me and there's this a similar problem with policemen and with all the cases um, against police for shooting first and asking questions later, where they get worked up into an emotional state of fear for their own lives and also for the humiliation because of the potential humiliation of, of what would happen after if they fail to do their job as they've been taught. But, you know, why is it that these people aren't taught to shoot in a way that doesn't necessarily kill the person. Why aren't they taught to disarm or maim the person so that they can't be a danger? Well, first of all, um, I I really do think that we have a uh, heightened difficulty when we're talking about air marshals who have a very specific assignment, which is don't let anything happen on or near an airplane that could uh, threaten the lives of passengers. And they have that split-second decision to make a decision. I, I, I for one, 
uh, wouldn't be surprised that the air marshal who did the shooting in this case uh, is conflicted. All at once he feels he did his job, he did it well, and he did what he was supposed to do. And at the same time, he learns that what he did was uh, uh, kill an innocent person who was uh, having a, a bipolar episode, apparently. So uh, he may himself wind up with, with, <laughs> with issues uh, because uh, his training led him to commit a tragedy. Um, the police, on the other hand, uh, they deal um, uh, more routinely in, in, in the field, and yet even there, as you pointed out, even where they're dealing with uh, uh, mostly benign events uh, during their daily life, um, when faced with what appears to be a sudden movement, or uh, someone who reaches for his pants, uh, whether it's because the pants are falling off or he's reaching for a gun, they're not going to make that distinction. They're going to shoot. And and I think all of that is a uh, an unfortunate recipe for uh, for disaster. We have a, a, a significant number of police shootings every year, which are, in fact, of uh, victims who uh, did not pose an immediate threat of uh, 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 great bodily harm. Under the law, at least as I know it, you're not really supposed to ever use deadly force except as a response to a threat or apparent threat of deadly force. And yet we have uh, children uh, who are backing up uh, cars, so um, not necessarily even in the line of, of, uh, of movement of, of the car is the deputy who shoots to kill. Yes, it's getting uh, the the laws, or the not laws, but the policies that the police have um, get interpreted very widely by the police when they are in that moment as to what actually constitutes a danger to them. And um, it's unfortunate. You know, what, what, what adds to this, though, is the fact that so far the people who are on the plane, the other passengers, say that they never heard um, Rigoberto say that he had a bomb or say anything for that matter. Um, some of them, I think, said that, well, they had the impression that he needed to get off and they thought that it was because um, he had was on the wrong plane, one of them said, or because he was going to be airsick, although they hadn't yet left the ground. But, um, but he had just come off. Let me just back up and sort of, for those of you who um, have not heard the details, um, this occurred in Florida, and um, it was a man and his wife who had just been flying um, to, they first flew to Miami from South America, where, and this this was also kind of a really sad part, they had been working, um, helping out the relative of the wife, uh, who was a dentist, and who was doing volunteer work in South America, and they were coming back from helping him do volunteer work. And um, they got off the plane in uh, Miami, and then they were boarding a plane from Miami to Orlando to return home. And apparently, and that's when, as they were boarding, um, apparently he was very agitated and and uh, went off for, well, <laughs> literally went off. Um, and and left the plane and it was in the in the um exiting from the plane that the air marshals confronted him but um you know the oh, and then the there was the additional um uh terrorism <laughs> uh terrorist 
activities of the mayor marshals and the police, the, the people who got on the plane, in terms of the other passengers. Now, of course, you know, they would explain it, as I'm sure they have, saying that um, they didn't know if this man could have been a terrorist and perhaps there were other terrorists on the plane uh, in the form of the other passengers and um, they therefore had to be careful that there, you know, that his cohorts weren't all still on the plane and that there wasn't going to be another incident um, by one or more of the others on the plane. And these passengers were held for, um, in one report they said for an hour on the plane and then they were held in the airport for up to nine hours afterwards being questioned. And um, so it not only, of course, was a tragedy for this man and his wife and his family, but also even for the other passengers who were psychologically traumatized by their uh, being treated in this very aggressive way that they reported. Well, when we come back, we'll talk, continue to talk about this with my guest, Ron Goldman, a, uh, an attorney from the law firm of Baum Headland and someone with many years of experience in this field in aviation law. And um, we'll also talk about his involvement in some of um, the other well-known cases uh, that um, where there has been where there have been problems on airlines and where passengers uh, have been damaged in one way or another. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you have questions concerning your personal portfolio? And would you like to know where the market's going before it gets there? then you need to tune in to Elite Masters of Trading, hosted by the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Robin has great ideas on how to invest, save, and make money. So become an elite trader in the market every Wednesday at 10 a.m. with the Traders Coach, Robin Dane, and Elite Masters of Trading, right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Information you need, when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on The Dragon Page with Michael and Evo, we've got three authors and one book. 
No, they didn't all write the same book. They have three stories inside of one book. If you're a writer of short fiction that considers yourself underpublished, take a listen to what we've got to say. All these folks are inside of L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers of the Future, Volume 2005, and there's information how you can get in next year. That's this week on the Dragon Page with Michael and Evo. Every Saturday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today my guest is Ron Goldman. He is a renowned attorney um, working for the firm of Baum Headland, specialists in disaster uh, cases, and uh, particularly in aviation law. And he's been involved in a number of cases, and we'll talk about some of those. But right now we're talking about the tragedy that happened in Florida recently um, where the two air marshals uh, shot a man whose bag has had been inspected, um, by the way, three times before he boarded the plane, the bag that they said um, that he referred to as, as saying that he had a bomb in his bag. Of course, nobody else in the plane heard that. And, in fact, one of the passengers um, said that when he was asked by the FBI, uh, he said, the first time I heard the word bomb was when I was interviewed by the FBI. They kept asking if I heard him say the B word, and I said, what is the B word? And they were like, bomb. I said, no. They said, are you sure? And I am. Um, you know, it is amazing. Certainly air marshals should have thought of that, that um, because he had been on a plane before, his bag had been inspected once when they boarded in Ecuador where they had been doing um, volunteer work to help the poor, once clearing customs, and a third time before boarding the connecting flight from Miami to Orlando. And um, very, very tragic, very uh, perhaps that's what he was taught to do, but um, perhaps there should be done, something done to change this uh, training. Um, and, uh, Ron, what is it that, that you, before, when we were off the air, you were talk, started to talk about um, how it is dangerous to introduce a weapon on in that kind of situation. Yeah, well, uh, my, my thoughts are that once you have the introduction of a weapon into a scene, particularly a crowded scene, history has uh, taught us that uh, you can expect that the weapon will, will injure more innocent people than, uh, than uh, actually solve a, a, a real crime or stop a, a, another tragedy. Um, uh, and, and the problem that we have here is that uh, the training is that the first reaction is to discharge the weapon. Now, everybody, of course, has has, a, has been trained to think in terms of the suicide bombers, where they can trigger off something and, and blow up God knows what all at once. And it's that mentality and the willingness to accept, as a, an esteemed colleague of mine put it, uh, this tragic death as collateral damage. The introduction of the phrase collateral damage into this situation 
which sort of papers over the fact that, as you pointed out, we did have some screening. I don't know the quality of the screening, uh, you know, at the airport of departure, so I can't really speak to that, but I do know that screening is not necessarily um, all that good every place you go. Yes. Um, and uh, if, if 9-11 taught us anything, it is that uh, screening and screeners are not um, infallible. So uh, we, 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 need, we need to uh, modulate our thinking on that a bit and, 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 uh, and, and ask ourselves, was this properly screened? We don't know, but that's certainly something that ought to be looked into. Uh, at customs, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, they undergo... Uh, Kind of screening, a screening that would sniff for explosives, which is really mm-hmm. the kind of screening that you need to do here. Metal screening isn't uh, the kind of uh, procedure that would likely uncover a uh, homemade bomb or a vest bomb or something like that. You, you, you need to get one of those sniffers on it that uh, can deter- detect whether there's explosives in- involved. Um, so, but but the, the main point is that if the first reaction is shoot to kill. Uh, the, the probabilities are that you're going to have more tragic deaths being written off as collateral damage than, you, than you're going to solve uh, issues uh, that, that, that could have led to a wider tragedy. You know, it's so ironic also that this comes right on the heels of the, um, I guess, the Federal Aviation Board. I don't remember who, what the agent, governmental agency was exactly that announced that now we could bring our uh, scissors and... Um, well, that's TSA, the, the Transportation Security Administration. Okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's here we were sort of, um, there was a kind of relaxation of that, and yet, of course, we then heard that the reason why they were saying that we could now bring on little scissors and things like that is because they needed um, if the the inspectors to focus more on uh, explosives, right. <laughs> which isn't too terribly reassuring. <laughs> you can bring on your little scissors because we're really worried about um, we're really worried about bombs. But you know, it's also interesting. I, I, I think people um, have aren't aware. Um, a lot of people aren't aware yet that there is this whole movement to um, bring on cell phones because you just talked about how explosives could be triggered in many different ways. You don't even have to. The man didn't even really have to reach into his bag, as they said he was doing. Um, You know, certainly cell phones is a way, using cell phones is a way to trigger explosives. And so the idea of allowing people to bring cell phones on the airplane, you know, there are all of these paradoxes or contradictions as people sort of scramble to try to do what's safe. Well, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, there are uh, many contradictions involved. Uh, the idea, however, is that uh, if they are uh, doing their job properly in the screening, uh, they should be able to determine whether or not a cell phone is, is, is wired for uses other than as a cell phone. They should be able to determine uh, whether or not uh, uh, there are explosives involved. And I will say that there is... Uh, 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 equipment that will be coming online, which will be uh, uh, capable of, of sort of blowing a puff of uh, what will feel like air at you, and, and you will be sniffed, as it were, for uh, for explosives. Um, uh, the the business of uh, these little uh, manicure scissors and so on being banned probably was just uh, 
part of the overreaction that was going on in the first place. Uh, they didn't know what what to do. Uh, we we do know, and, and we uh, uh, represent. We are on the uh, National Plaintiffs Executive Committee for the September 11 air crash cases, and we do know uh, uh, that uh, the cell phones actually were our our uh, pipeline into being able to know what was going on, and and. And that's how we know how the heroes of Flight 93, for instance, yeah. really reacted. It was because we had we had the cell phone information, we had radio transmission information um, that that was extremely useful. Um, and those people uh, became aware that they were probably going to die in any event, and the decision was made um, to see to it that that airliner uh, crashed short of its intended target, which probably was the Capitol, the White House. Or the or the, uh, uh, or the Congress, you know, the Capitol building. So uh, the issues are real. Uh, the tensions are real, um, and I don't think anybody is going to suggest that we have no security. Uh, but the training that goes into it, I think, ought to be reassessed to determine uh, whether or not uh, uh, shooting first to kill is the only uh, available option that's yeah. given to our air marshals. Yes, especially since um, we have now, uh, unfortunately, in the use of uh, a lot of children and teenagers and adults, video games that turn uh, players into sharpshooters, and the government um, uses this to train people who go into into, um, combat, you would think that they would use this, and perhaps they do in, a, in, in just not in the right way, to train air marshals to shoot uh, in a way that wouldn't kill people on well, airplanes. These are supposed to be the most highly trained sharpshooters uh, in any government service. Uh, these guys are supposed to be able to, uh, uh, you know, split the arrow with their bullet, as it were, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, so I suppose that that's another possibility, is, is, is shoot to maim rather than to kill, uh, uh, but in this case, uh, the reaction, um, when you start getting the hard data as opposed to the early reports uh, where you're, you're filled with rumors, but there is now in question the data as to whether or not this man really was yelling, I've got a bomb. Right. Um, and if indeed that's not what he was yelling, then all excuse for this tragedy disappears. Well, that's right, and there were approximately 100 passengers and crew, and so far none of them have said that that's what he was yelling. Well, that's, that's, that's very disturbing. Uh, that's very disturbing. Uh, there was one other issue that, that, that you raised, and that was the detention of the, uh, of the passengers and so on uh, for uh, uh, an extended period. And yes. I, I, I would remind the, the audience that, that once you have the shooting, now you have a crime scene. Um, and I think the public is pretty widely uh, uh, educated to what that means. The, the scene has to be cordoned off. Um, evidence has to be documented, uh, uh, and photo-documented. Everything uh, has to be exactly in the position where it was uh, immediately following the episode. Um, and, so, and then everybody does have to be interviewed. Otherwise, we wouldn't know yes. that people didn't hear what the first reports said uh, had been said. Right. But some of the passengers are saying, though, that they were held 
on the airplane at gunpoint for an hour, um, and they had to uh, get off the plane with their hands on their heads. I mean, they were treated rather, um, what's the word, brutally, um, yeah. you know, as if, <laughs> suspiciously, as if any one of them could be a terrorist as well. Yeah, and that, that part, I think, really... What did you say? Uh, that's horrific, and I think that a lot of people are going to suffer uh, from uh, uh, traumatic syndromes uh, as a result. Yes, exactly. Well, perhaps we can talk about that um, when we come back, what you would be doing if you uh, do happen to get the chance to represent any of these passengers or the family of uh, Rigoberto Alpizar. Um, and then also I would like to, um, I'd be really interested in hearing about um, the 9-11 victims that you represent. So when we come back, we'll continue talking with my guest, Ron Goldman. He is uh, the lead attorney, lead tri- trial counsel for the firm of Baum Headland in terms of their aviation law cases. So um, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with him. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Are you feeling stuck in some part of your life? You might have some crust busting to do. Crust is anything that you think, feel, or believe that prevents you from living life full out. Step into the crust-free zone with me, Dr. Pat Basile, and get ready to do some serious crust busting. Join us on Thursday mornings on voiceamerica.com at 8 a.m. Pacific time for crust busting your way to an awesome life. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Cutting edge. Challenging. Stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. When tax time comes, are you the person that goes to your accountant with a shoebox literally full of receipts? 
stop wasting your accountant's time as well as your own by organizing your finances with the help of Joe Dunphy and Poor Richard Shoebox. Heard live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Poor Richard Shoebox will let you know what you can do to organize for tax time as well as how to get the most out of your retirement. So get all of your receipts together and tune in to Poor Richard Shoebox with Joe Dunphy every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on the Voice America Radio Network. Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Ron Goldman. He's the lead trial counsel for the firm's aviation team, the firm being Baum Headland. They're located in Los Angeles, and they have been involved as plaintiff's attorneys for um, a large number of cases, particularly aviation cases, such as uh, the Southwest plane that skidded off the runway in Burbank in 2000, and the more recent Southwest runway accident at Midway in Chicago, representing the passengers, um, and also the passengers of 9-11. I'd be very interested in hearing about that. Um, what could you tell us about what you've been doing with those passengers? You represent passengers from yep. all four of the planes that were involved in 9-11. Is that right? Uh, well, we have an interest in, in, in all four. Uh, we... we uh, sit on the uh, National Plaintiffs Executive Committee. There's about five law firms uh, that control all of the national litigation for all of the uh, air disasters uh, that, that occurred on all four flights. And uh, uh, I'm sad to say that the litigation is is, is bogged down. Uh, it's bogged down prim- primarily because. Uh, uh, in the normal course of litigation, we demand documents from uh, the people that we're suing. We believe uh, people or the companies that we believe may have contributed to the events that led to the tragedy. Uh, in this case, every single document that we demand uh, has to be washed through the Transportation Security Agency um, uh, to be uh, weighed in their opinion as to whether or not it contains what they call sensitive security information. Um, I'll tell you a little vignette. You'll get a measure of what happened. Early in the proceedings, uh, uh, we we made such a demand, and uh, the Transportation Security Association Administration's lawyer got up and said, "Well, you know, uh, we're we're working on those documents, but uh, you know, we're not going to allow any of them to be produced, um, and uh, at least not not yet." Um, and I stood up and said, well, can we have at least a list of the titles, the names of the documents, uh-huh. what we would call a privilege log, so that we know what we're not getting? Right. To which the lawyer responded, well, you know, uh, you'll know by what you're not getting what it is you're not getting. And I said, well, you know, exactly how am I going to know that? <laughs> and the judge says, well, yeah, you know, uh, produce a, a list of that. So, so at the next hearing a couple of months later, the judge asked uh, uh, the lawyer, do you have the uh, privilege log? She said, yes, I do. I've made a list of all the documents that, w- that we are not producing at this point. And the judge says, well, can we have it? She says, no, we've declared the list sensitive security information. You can't have it. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. 
So, and then what happened? Well, uh, we're still wrangling about what 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 we can get. We're asking for orders uh, because of the uh, the law that was passed after September 11. The trial judge has no power to order any of these documents produced. If, and if what you challenge, law? if you if you challenge the the the, the document, uh, the, the the failure to produce it, you have to go to the um, uh, court of appeals uh, in the first instance. So it's a very cumbersome uh, proceeding. Well, now, are you talking about the law? I, I know that there were some things passed to try, same thing with the people who were uh, involved on the ground, to try That's... to prevent the, the victims on the ground from claiming, getting any um, compensation. Well, no, it's, it's, it's not the one. Uh, there, there, there are two different laws. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of one giant package. Uh, yeah. But the provision, uh, nothing prevented people from suing. But they also set up the Victims' Compensation Fund right. where, without suing, you had uh, a right to go and say, uh, uh, here's the information you're asking of me, uh, and you were told, well, then we'll give you thus and so much money. Yes. Um, and if you did that, you got an immediate sum of money, and you forfeited right to sue. Yes. Uh, the people, we represented a, a number of people who, for a host of reasons, some people just can't afford to wait the litigation route. Mm. They're there. In desperate circumstances, mm. so they take an inadequate amount of money. The ones who um, did not accept that are the ones who are proceeding with the litigation. Yes. Uh, the um, uh, it's, it's got a cumbersome title, the the act to it, but it's basically the the, the act that regulates the and creates the rules uh, in part for these lawsuits, and and that act. Um, uh, basically says that uh, sensitive security information can only be shown to people with sensitive uh, security information um, uh, Clearance. uh, clearances, of which our office has, as uh, every office on the uh, uh, Planet's Executive Committee has, but then the Transportation Security Association decided that uh, that wasn't a high enough clearance, and so we can't see them. So we're, we're litigating all of that, and uh, one and expect that uh, we will go to the Court of Appeals uh, in the event the cases are not uh, settled uh, uh, in the meantime. And I guess that this is all, uh, it's all really just political, and I mean, it really has to do with, um, I guess, the political clout that the airlines have? Well, I, one could say it's in part that. One could say that it's in part an overzealous uh, TSA. One can say that... Uh, it's in part uh, part of the uh, the legal maneuverings that uh, uh, are designed to delay uh, a, a just resolution. Right. We want to try the cases. We yeah. say we say you know let us go to trial. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to trial without all of these uh, yeah. documents. You know, forget <laughs> it. We we don't need all the documents. Right. So the defendants stand up and say, well, that's nice, but we we want to put those documents into evidence, and until TSA clears it for us to be able to use our own documents, we can't go to trial. Oh. So, you know, it's... <laughs> what it's, a lot of... I mean, it's... It's, it's, it's very just, frustrating. Our, our because clients, they, our they clients, know that, yeah. that a jury, of course... I mean, you don't really need the um, documents. Certainly a jury would, be, t- would tend to uh, rule in favor of your clients just from what they know about this already, pretty much. Well... The the uh, thinking of the defense was that no jury would blame the airlines because, after all, terrorists were the immediate cause of the crashes. Uh, 
we took the position early on and consistently that that uh, juries are smarter than that. They'll understand that if you fail in your obligations to provide the security you're required to provide, and if you just thumbed your nose at it, uh, you set up the conditions whereby the terrorists could right. be a success. Right. And that theory was tested, uh, interestingly enough, by the trial uh, involving the first World Trade Center bombing, and that jury assigned a majority of the blame to the Port Authority of uh, New York and New Jersey, um, and a minority of the blame to the terrorists. Hmm. So uh, we think we're right. Hmm. That's very interesting. Um, and do you have any idea, I guess, I guess it's hard to have any idea of when this might actually come to trial. I guess it just depends on how long it's going to take to go through all of these well, um, there hoops. <laughs> There are times I feel like this is going to uh, exceed uh, Jarndyce versus Jarndyce in its length of, uh, of uh, litigation, but uh, which what, what, what is that one? Oh, that's that's the old Dickens uh, novel from Oliver Twist, <laughs> the interminable <laughs> litigation that would never end. Uh, uh, but but I, I think that that this this uh, we are pressuring as hard as we can with uh, to to push these toward either settle with us or give us a trial date. Mm-hmm. That's what we keep saying to the judge. You know, it's similar to um, the priest molestation cases. Um, one of the things that I do is, is to work as an expert witness, and I've been involved in some of the key priest molestation mm-hmm. cases, mm-hmm. and it's been the same kind of struggle uh, with the uh, Catholic archdiocese not wanting to give up information and, and there being political overtones to that, how much clout there is with a with a mayor or with other, you know, political figures uh, to not produce the the documents. Although I think in that case too, uh, some of the cases would be able to be won sufficiently even without those documents. But it's the same kind of everybody sort of pretending um, that something is important just as an excuse to delay it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. <laughs> Well, when we come back, we'll continue talk- talking with my guest, Ron Goldman, obviously a, uh, an aviation attorney extraordinaire. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking about uh, various, <laughs> various injustices, particularly in the air, but really they go beyond that. Um, so stay tuned. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, 
politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Getterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dogs. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're in the, uh, <laughs> we're coming to landing here. <laughs> Oh, the hour just flew by. <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I'll stop making more of these airline puns and get back to the. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's really um, it's sort of dark humor because it's really such such an incredible tragedy. And um, uh, my guest today is Ron Goldman, who has been involved in so many of these. Um, especially well-known air tragedies. We'll talk about some of these. Um, I hope that uh, the people involved, the passengers, as well as the family of Rigoberto Alpizar, the victim and the, well, they were all victims, but the the fatal victim, Rigoberto, was in the case in Florida, um, in which, you know, we we can, I I hope that you've been realizing um, that this not only you know, this is a much wider subject than um, than the initial victims. It really has to do with our, the freedoms for all of us and who is responsible, who's going to take responsibility. And, um, Mr. Goldman, actually you were involved in a case uh, fairly recently where the airline apologized to the passengers. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, yeah, that was a, uh, a crash in North Carolina of an Air Midwest uh, commuter jet. and uh, Well, actually, it was not a jet. It was a, uh, a twin-engine turboprop uh, airplane. Um, and uh, in, in that case, uh, there had been a, just a horrendous uh, uh, lack of uh, attention paid uh, during the maintenance where the maintenance procedures were so ineptly done that they uh, rigged the elevator control that controls whether the airplane uh, climbs or dives so that uh, 50% of its ability to control the airplane uh, was was taken away. Hmm. And as a consequence, when uh, uh, 
the airplane was fully loaded about the sixth flight afterwards, um, and it went to take off. It just the nose just kept rising up into the air. The pilots had no ability to put it down, and it stalled and crashed and killed everybody aboard. It was a horrible, horrible uh, uh, incident uh, uh, that, that took place. Uh, yet uh, uh, um, these uh, shoddy maintenance practices had been tolerated, and uh, and uh, so we, uh, with, with uh, some of our clients, they said it's not enough. Uh, these people, they, they lost their daughter, a beautiful young girl, uh, who was a college student and uh, uh, a tight family. And they, they said, you know, the money alone is not enough for us. What else can you do? And so we uh, uh, made as a condition of the settlement that the airline, uh, through its president, who came out uh, in a public forum at the memorial to the victims, uh, Allowed himself to be recorded on television and uh, radio and uh, and in print, uh, apologized and uh, gave uh, significant assurances that uh, they were taking serious steps to see to it that things that went wrong could never go wrong again. So it was a tremendous uh, advance for aviation safety, not just a good result for the individual victims. Yes, because that that uh, then puts sets a precedent. For other airlines to follow. Well, they keep telling us, don't regard it as a precedent <laughs> when we walk into the next case. But you know what? Uh, when it's appropriate, then, then uh, if our clients want us to do that, that that's what we do. Uh-huh. Now, I know uh, when we were off the air um, this last time, you're, you're being uh, summoned by... Um, Victims from the latest crash, which is apparently something that is um, you're right in the midst of the Southwest um, runway accident at Midway in Chicago. Tell us about that, the passengers that you represent, and and how you're approaching that. Well, uh, the history of this goes back to the Burbank uh, uh, crash landing, where they ran off the end of the runway in Burbank uh, because the pilots uh, had. Uh, set up an approach to landing, uh, and and it was all wrong. They were out of all of their uh, uh, proper parameters, and they pressed the approach anyway. There's a very safe maneuver in aviation that you learn from the time that you're a young pilot just taking your training. It's emphasized all the time. If you're not comfortable with the landing, the safest thing to do is go around and come back again, and and, and you set up again, and you know, the second time, you almost surely you'll be comfortable. And uh, by a parody of thinking, if you don't like the airport, for whatever reason, you think mm-hmm. the, the runways are too slick because of snow or ice or, or the winds are not right, go someplace else. You, you, the pilot, have the absolute control, not air traffic controllers. You, the pilot, have the, the right to say, I don't like this landing air traffic control. I'm going around. I don't like this airport air traffic control. I'm going to an alternate. And they must let you. Uh, so the failure uh, is is uh, maybe built in part from um, by machismo. I can make it uh, mm. kind of mentality, which is nothing but trouble. Uh, pressures from the company sometimes come in, in, in into play because it's expensive. You burn a lot of gas going mm. around in, in those big jetliners. Uh, um, uh, derision from your uh, uh, compatriots uh, may come into play because pilots uh, think of themselves as. Uh, uh, being a special breed, uh, and, yeah. and we're not, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, and uh, it's it's embarrassing. Oh, I, <laughs> Maxie blew the approach in, into yeah. Midway. Uh, people don't want to hear that. 
So sometimes these, these factors gang up, and the pilots, even with passengers, even experienced, uh, high, uh, uh, highly trained airline captains, um, flaunt the rules, their own rules, and uh, go forward in, in, with an approach that can end up as Midway did in, in, in tragedy. So we have the tragic death of a, of a victim on the ground, um, in Burbank, we fortunately didn't have a death, but we had uh, victims in, in cars there as well, at least one car. And then you have a plane load of passengers, uh, all of whom have had what they will ultimately, most of them, uh, regard as a near-death experience. Yes. And those people will become victims in, in, in large measure of post-traumatic stress disorders, uh, and, and, uh, and their lives can be seriously affected. Yes, absolutely. And yes, I forgot to actually mention amongst your many credits that um, uh, Mr. Goldman is actually a private pilot himself and has been for over 25 years. Yes. So um, he does know <laughs> of what he speaks in this regard as well. Um, and I guess, um, well, I guess since you had some experience with Southwest from the Burbank case, um, I I don't know. Do you think that you'll be able to come to a, um, a speedier resolution since they know since well, they know that you're bulldogs? Or you... Well, the, uh, I, I I can assure you that that uh, uh, they won't be surprised to see me. Um, I don't know who the pilot or pilots were that were aboard this this airplane. Uh, uh, the captain of the flight that ran off the Burbank Airport. Uh, was first fired, then rehired and allowed early retirement. The co-pilot was first fired, then um, rehired due to uh, a successful union grievance that he pursued uh, and has since uh, been uh, uh, elevated to captain. What? I, I hope that I'm not going to find him on <laughs> the pilot yeah, on, on, in this case. It yeah. would seem they didn't learn their lesson and it, 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 about uh, pushing an approach that, did not look right. There is some talk that there might have been some reverse thrusters that that didn't operate properly, um, uh, and and that may have compromised the landing. But I will tell you, you have to you have to know that you're going to make a safe landing when you when when you make that approach. Yes, I guess sometimes um, you do also. Well, I don't know you personally, but I mean sometimes in these kinds of cases. One also sues the, if there is some kind of mechanical problem as well, one also sues the manufacturer of, of that component. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, so you know, I, I don't know whether, that, 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 as I sit here now, we haven't uh, obviously gotten into the details of the facts, uh, whether that was a maintenance item. If, if indeed, sometimes the, the pilot forgets to arm the, the uh, reverse thrusters, uh, and they don't uh-huh. deploy because uh, of... Of error in the cockpit, or they don't deploy because of maintenance uh, issues, or there might have been design defect. All of these issues will be explored yes. when we get into the case. Yes, and of course, um, something that is, you know, since some of the airlines are having financial, well, all of them are having financial, or not all of them, but I guess many of them are having financial problems, some worse than others. But um, of course, that makes it somewhat more. Um, uh, likely that they're going to cut corners on things and of course that's when you start having more accidents as well. Well, the the the, the rage now is outsourcing uh, maintenance uh, to Mexico or Colombia or oh, uh, wow. south of the border someplace and uh, it remains to be seen if that's a deadly alternative. 
Hmm. Wow, I didn't even know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole new issue. Uh, you know, it's not new. Outsourcing uh, has been around a long time, and it was one of the things that happened in the North Carolina Air Midwest case uh-huh. that they did outsource, but not south of the border. They outsourced to a, a, an outfit that uh, basically put mechanics on that had no experience dealing with uh, the airplane that they were mm-hmm. maintaining at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, I actually have had some involvement with airlines uh, the last since 9-11 because of creating an audio and video channel for the airlines and therefore being, becoming a member of the World Airline Entertainment Association, <laughs> which is, I guess, uh, you know, not quite as serious, as, but, but the point of it is to uh, to help passengers cope not only with the fear of terrorism or another terrorist attack using airlines, but obviously if there was a channel like that in an airline, when there would be a disaster, you know, like um, like in in uh, Burbank or like at Midway, needless to say, it was, the passengers would have been helped by being able to tune into some kind of relaxation channel. Indeed. So. Well, thank you very much. I do want to give out the um, website for your law firm or uh, any other way that you would suggest that people contact you or your law firm if they have been victims of uh, disasters like this or, or certainly to look at your website and see that you do additional things as well. Yes, we have a website at uh, baumhedlandlaw.com. Yes, and that's spelled B-A-U-M-H-E-D-L-U-N-D. B-A-U-M-H-E-D-L-U-N-D, baumhedland.com. Law.com, right. Uh, they'll, they'll get there if they put those words in. <laughs> <laughs> Am I pronouncing it wrong, Baum? Baum. Baum, yes, that's what I... Baumhedland.com. As in the German word for tree. <laughs> Baum. As in the German word what? For tree. Baum, oh, yes, Baum that's is a, right. Baum is a tree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much for... Uh, <laughs> For joining me today, you you obviously are uh, incredibly knowledgeable in this whole area, and um, uh, by your work, hopefully, um, cutting down on some of these disasters as airlines become more responsible, or at least that's what we would hope for, as they have to take more responsibility for some of these disasters. So thank you very much, Ron Goldman. Again, he's the lead trial counsel for the firm's aviation team, the firm, uh, again, being Baum Headland. And um, thank you very much for your perspectives on so many of these crashes. And uh, I, I do hope that the people from the Florida uh, incident get in contact with you as well. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed our hour. And again, that's BaumHeadland.com, and you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we've been uh, broadcast to you on VoiceAmerica.com. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.